This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Joseph finds his father very anxious, very anxious, very upset. He's got a need. He wants Joseph to do this certain thing for him. Jacob asked Joseph to solemnly swear, to promise to him that what he's going to do, and Joseph, and he has Joseph put his hand under Jacob's thigh, which was the same act that Abraham asked his servant Eliezer to do when it was so important for him that Isaac not take a wife from the Canaanites. No Canaanite woman for Isaac. So he did the same thing, made Eliezer put his hand under his thigh. He puts his, Joseph puts his hand under Jacob's thigh, and then his father Jacob speaks to him and says, bury me not, I pray thee, in Egypt. It's not that Jacob was not appreciative for the beautiful, comfortable living conditions that he had there. They were in the best part of Egypt, in the northern part up there in the land of Goshen. Jacob, he knows, he understands that this place he's living in is a land of immorality, it's a land of idolatry, and he does not view Egypt as his home. And he wants with his grave to make that final statement to everybody that Egypt is not his home. So Jacob wants Joseph to swear, and he does. And he says, I will lie with my fathers. Thou shalt carry me out of Egypt and bury me in their burying place, verse 30, 47, 30. And he said, I'll do as you said. He swears unto him. He wants his dead body with Abraham, with Isaac, as the last statement that Jacob did not yield to the pleasures of Egypt, but he gives up, he gives it all up so he can continue on his pilgrimage. There is a temporary, there is a permanent. There is a temporary pleasures of sin for a season, which is what Egypt was characterized to Moses. And Moses chose not to live with the temporary pleasures of sin for a season. Instead, he chose to to suffer affliction with the people of God so he could have an eternal pleasure, pleasures at the right hand of God. And or 
there is a temporary, temporary life of a pilgrim, a life of, of misery, you might say, for the eternal pleasures of God. But there's either temporary pleasures of sin or temporary, temporary pilgrimage. Now, that's what Jacob was so anxious over, and so Joseph promises he's going to bury him with his fellow pilgrims, and Jacob is content, and he bows himself. So that's now past, and Joseph goes back to his business of running the country, running the country of Egypt, and now Joseph is told again in Genesis 48.1, he says, it came to pass after these things that one told Joseph, behold, thy father is sick, and Joseph is told his father is sick. He knows what that means. He comes, he's expecting to see his father weak, his father weak in Genesis 48.1, his father weak, but too weak to talk. He's expecting that, too weak to talk. And Joseph is gonna be speaking, try to comfort his father, Jacob, but that's not the case at all. Because what we're told in verse two, one told Jacob and said, behold, thy son Joseph cometh unto thee. And Israel strengthened himself and sat upon his bed. So here's Jacob. He manages to muster his, his last strength as he strengthens himself and he sits up on the bed. And as Joseph sees his father strengthen himself on the bed, Joseph is wondering, what is he going to say? What is he going to say? Is he going to say something like, say something like, uh, can you get a better doctor for me? Or you know, isn't there a better medicine for me? Have you called hospice? Uh, can you increase the dose of morphine? You know, but just like Mr. Nash, again, Jacob's not thinking of himself at all. But what Jacob does is to pray a blessing on Joseph's two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim. And again, we see this weak Jacob pulling himself up out of his own worries to rise up to his high calling as a priest of God. And, and just as he did with Pharaoh, Jacob now blesses the sons. I mean, how often have I heard from a person who went to go visit a believer in the hospital and come back and say, I went to be a blessing to him, and he was a blessing to me? And that's what we see here with Jacob, sick, about to die, being a blessing to others, just like the Lord Jesus Christ, who was crucified on the cross, dropped into the hole, into the socket for the cross, with such a jolt that every bone, every joint in his body came out of joint, in such pain, and what does he do in such pain? Luke 23, 34, Luke 23, 24, he says, then said Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. While dying, he's praying, he's praying the blessing of forgiveness on his torturers, on his torturers as the priest. And then again, this is the great escape. This is the great escape from our own problems, to be a blessing to others. That's God's way for us to escape out of our own troubles by ministering to the needs of others. But before Jacob blesses Joseph's sons, Ephraim and Manasseh, when Joseph has just entered the room and he sees his father there, his dying father, he speaks. And Jacob shows when he speaks what his heart is immersed in, what the thought is that has just encompassed him and, and surrounded him. And there's one thought that's just filled Jacob's heart in his final moments here on earth. He's coming to a close now. He can see death is becoming is coming closer and closer, and he speaks in verse 3, Genesis 48.3. Genesis 48.3. He speaks in verse 3, and Jacob said unto Joseph, God Almighty appeared unto me at Luce in the land of Canaan and blessed me. What is this man Jacob thinking about as he's about to die? One word, God. He's sitting there thinking about God. 
What is he thinking about God? He's thinking about how God Almighty appeared to him. He's thinking about how God Almighty, the king of the universe, took time to appear to him in Bethel. And we can see Jacob, he's just consumed with the wonder of this truth. It says, God Almighty appeared to me. Why should God Almighty have cared about me, Jacob? He's thinking about the thir- circumstances back there that we've already have studied. When God Almighty appeared to him, it was in Bethel. It was the time when Jacob was at his lowest point in his life. He was running away from home. He was running away from a brother who had vowed to kill him. He didn't even have time to plan his run, his fugitive run. He didn't have a camel. He didn't have a donkey. He didn't have anything to transport his food or his possessions. He had no idea how he was going to make it. He only had the clothes he was wearing and what he could quickly muster together and carry as he ran out of the house. He was as vulnerable as could be in the desert, all alone, traveling for about a month to try to make it to find Laban. This was his first night out, Jacob's first night out. He had run as fast and as far as he could from home. Now both exhaustion and darkness have forced him to stop and sleep. And really to portray the pathetic situation he was in, his pillow was a bunch of stones. That was his pillow. So Jacob now is at the lowest point of his life, and that's when God decided to appear to him in a dream. And he sees God at the top of the ladder that reached to heaven. There the angels are. They're going up and down. And that's what Jacob is thinking about. This happened almost 50 years ago, but he can't get over it. And he's thinking about it. He's about to die. And he's not thinking about his poor health condition. He's not thinking about calling the doctors to care for him. He's not thinking about where's the Ativan and where's the morphine. He's not anxious. He's using all his remaining strength just to think about one point. And that one point is, God Almighty appeared to me when I was at the lowest point in my life. He's doing what the hymn says when it says, love divine, all loves excelling, joy of heaven to earth come down. It talks about till in heaven we take our place, till we cast our crowns before thee, lost in wonder, love, and praise. That's Jacob. He's lost in the thoughts of wonder, love, and praise. That's what he's doing there. He's thinking of the great mercy of God. God Almighty has appeared to him. God Almighty has not left him alone to die in the desert. He knows he's a no-good con man who's lied to his father and cheated his brother. But he's thinking of the great grace of God. God Almighty has appeared to him, and his heart is just overflowing with the wonder of it all. How could God Almighty appear to him in Bethel and bless him with all these promises? And he's thinking about this. I mean, he's thinking, he's thinking about how God appeared to him. He's really experiencing what it says in Psalm 22, Psalm 22, 24, the crucifixion Psalm, Psalm 22, where it says, God has not despised nor abhorred the affliction of the afflicted. Neither hath he hid his face from him, but when he cried unto him, he heard. And he's thinking about this. He's thinking about how he was one step away from being killed. And he could say, he could say, but my bones were crying out. Just like it says in Psalm 3510, Psalm 3510, all my bones shall say, Lord, who is like unto thee, which delivers the poor from him that is too strong for him, yea, the poor and the needy from him. He lays there dying, and he's thinking, 
Who is like unto thee? Who is like unto thee? Do you know that's the name Michael? Michael, who is like God? Michael, that's what Michael means, who is like God. He's thinking Michael. He's thinking, who is like God? And we see him lost in wonder, lost in praise. You know, we're challenged when we see this to never let our Christian life sink into the routine, to never let our Bible reading sink into just routine, never let our prayers sink into the routine, never let our going to church sink into the routine. Anybody here knew Bert Poole? Anybody? Bert Poole was a missionary to Japan. He started Whitefield's mission, and he lived in Lakeside, and he, he, was, he always was writing songs, great little songs. He just couldn't, he was always writing songs. I remember one time he came and visited me uh, in Lakeside there, and and he, he got out of his car, and he saw all the goats there, and he says, high on a hill stood a little goat herd. Yo, yo. <laughs> that was Bert. Well, Bert wrote this song. It's a little song. Never lose the wonder of Jesus' love. If I remember it, it goes, never lose the wonder of Jesus' love and what he's done for you. Some folks do get grouchy, though born again. They sure do sing the blues. He loved you, he saved you, forgave what you were slave to, so praise him with a life that's true. Never lose the wonder of Jesus' love and what he's done for you. Just a simple song. But the message behind it is so true. Never lose that wonder. Don't ever lose that wonder. Jacob, is he's never lost the wonder. And he's filled with it when he says, he says to Joseph, Joseph, I have something very important to you. What is it, Dad? God Almighty appeared to me. He says in verse three, he never lost the wonder that Jehovah of Jehovah Jesus loved and what he did for Jacob by appearing to him in Bethel. That was a lifelong amazement that started when God personally appeared to him in, in Bethel. Just like our lifelong amazement started when it was revealed to us how God the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, died for us personally. And just like Paul's lifelong amazement that he never got over, when God revealed to him that the Holy Spirit of Christ was living inside of him when he said in Galatians 1.15, Galatians 1.15, when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace, to reveal his son in me, that I might preach him among the heathen. Immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood. So then Jacob went on further to tell what his heart was thinking about. And he says that God said to him, I'll make you fruitful and multiply thee. I'll make you a multitude of people. I'll give you this land to thy seed after thee for an everlasting possession. Now we see how Jacob is overwhelmed. Only did God appear to him in his most vulnerable state. But God then blessed him with promises that making his children to become a multitude of people and giving him the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession. We can imagine Jacob sitting there dwelling on every word in Genesis 48.4. Genesis 48.4, he says, I heard him say the word fruitful, fruitful. God said that he would make me fruitful. I've got nothing but stones for a pillow. And God said, I'm going to make me fruitful. And then the next word he said, I heard him say the word multiply. I heard him say the word multiply, multiply. God said that he was, I'm going to multiply. I don't even have a wife. He says, multitude, multitude. God says, a multitude. I don't have 
have any children. Looks like I'm going to die. God said, land. Going to give you the land. Give the land. I'm just trying not to die on this land. And then he says, everlasting. God said, everlasting. He's going to give me this land forever. And he's dwelling on each word. He's dwelling on the word fruitful and multiply. Land, everlasting. It's been 50 years. He's never lost the wonder of those words. And so we imagine Jacob there dwelling on each word. And as we see that, we can see how important each word of God is to us. As the Lord said in Matthew 4.4, Matthew 4.4, but he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds, proceedeth out of the mouth of God, every word. And that's what Jacob's doing here. Every word, fruitful, multiply, multitude, land, forever. It's been 50 years. And then drop down to verse 11, drop down to verse 11 there, uh, Genesis 48, 11, 48, 11. Israel said to Joseph, I had not thought to see thy face. And lo, God has showed me also thy seed. So now Jacob looks at Joseph's two sons and said, look at how God is full of wonderful surprises. I was thinking I'd never see you again. Now I'm seeing your children. And at this point, Jacob knows for sure he's gonna die. So he looks at Joseph and he says in verse 21, verse 21, Genesis 48, 21, Israel said unto Joseph, behold, I die. But God shall be with you and bring you again unto the land of your father. So at this point, Joseph expected Jacob would just take his last gasp there for the last time and be gone. But that's not what happened. It's not what happened. Because God now is giving Jacob a little more strength, just a little more strength so that he can tell each one of his sons what's going to happen to them in the last days. Now he's a prophet. First he's a priest. Now he's a prophet. And now to do this last function as a prophet, the next chapter, Genesis 49.1, 49.1, he calls together his sons. Jacob called unto his sons and said, gather yourselves together that I may tell you that which shall befall you in the last days. Gather yourselves together and hear, ye sons of Jacob, and hearken unto Israel your father. So now Jacob starts with his son Reuben. He calls, unto, he calls Reuben your unstable. He recounts how Reuben had raped Jacob's wife. That was painful for him. And after the pain of Reuben, then he hopes it'll get better. So he moves on to Simeon and Levi. But it gets worse as he recounts how with deceit they murdered a whole city. And he withdraws himself from them in verse 6. Oh, my soul, come not thou into their secret. And then he curses their anger in verse 7. Cursed be their anger. Cursed be their anger. And then he moves and he looks at Judah his eyes are open, and as he sees for the first time, Judah, Atah, it's you, Judah, it's you. God's going to send the Savior of the world, the Lord Jesus Christ, whom the Jewish people will praise as the Messiah. You will gather all the Jewish people together in verse 8. Verse 8, Judah, thou art he whom thy brethren shall praise. Thy hand shall be in the neck of thine enemies. Thy children's shoulders shall bow unto thee. Verse 10, verse 10, the scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet until Shiloh come, and unto him shall the gathering of the people be. He moves on, and he foretells what's going to happen to Zebulun in verse 13. What's going to happen to Issachar in verse 14 and 15? What's going to happen to Dan in verses 16 and 17? And then in verse 18, he just seems to take a break. He just seems to take a break and catch his breath. Seems like in verse 18, 
He just has got to vent his emotions. This has all been way too much for him. He's been talking directly to his sons. But at this point in verse 18, he changes everything and he turns and he addresses God directly. And he says in verse 18, I have waited for thy salvation, O Lord. And everybody's watching him as he turns and openly tells God that he's been waiting for God's salvation. The Hebrew word that Jacob used here is the word Yeshua. I have been waiting for, I have waited for your Yeshua. That's the word Jesus. So I have waited for your Jesus, O Lord. Some have said the name of Jesus doesn't appear in the Old Testament. Well, here's one of the places it does. The last words of Jacob in his great hope, his great hope, his great expectation of seeing Jesus face-to-face with Christ my Savior, face-to-face, what shall it be? When with rapture I behold him, Jesus Christ, who died for me. That's what he's saying. When Jacob said that he'd been waiting for God's Jesus, Jacob was saying that this was the source of Jacob's hope. This was the source of Jacob's strength. This was his great expectation. It was to see God's Jesus. And just as God said that he was not going to disappoint with not having a city, he was also not going to disappoint here either. Because very soon, very soon, he is going to see him, as Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5.8, 2 Corinthians 5.8, we are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Here again, he's our example of a person who's about to receive a special crown, a special crown that's described in 2 Timothy 4.8. 2 Timothy 4.8 says, Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. What Jacob was saying in verse 18, I've waited for thy salvation, O Lord, was that he loved the appearing of the Lord's Jesus. He loved the appearing. So again, Jacob becomes our example of living a life of loving the appearing of the Lord. Now, what do I mean, living a life of loving the appearing of the Lord? Well, you ask the question, do we love his appearing? Well, that depends about what we're doing when he appears. I think of a little boy, a little boy who was left home and he was told not to get in the cookie jar and the boy is getting in the cookie jar. He's not loving the appearing of his parents right then. <laughs> He's getting in the cookie jar. But he'd be loving the, his appearing of his parents if he wasn't getting in the cookie jar. So like the little boy getting in the cookie jar, we're not gonna be loving the appearing of the Lord if we're not obeying him. But if we are obeying him, then we'll be loving the appearing of the Lord. And, and if we love his appearing, then it'll be because what we have done when it says in 1 Peter 2.11, dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. If we do that, then we'll be able to say with Jacob the words of Genesis 49, 18, I have waited for thy salvation, O Lord. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for Jacob, for the life that he had, for, the, for how you helped him all along the way, Lord. And he was able to give this final call out before he broke through the ribbon of the finish line. I have waited for thy salvation. Lord, we pray that you would make him to be for us an example, an inspiration, a model to follow. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher Tom Cantor here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. That's P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. That's tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. For more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program was brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.